Amazing thing that Jesus' own brother would be one of his greatest advocates and followers. And so uh, it's a powerful testimony to us today, knowing that, that we are being able to read someone who saw Jesus' life so closely. Um, I know I couldn't ever prove to my brothers that I was God-made flesh. And so the fact that James had known Jesus so well and yet followed him with such a passion, to the point of last week we talked about that he was actually put to death because he was so committed to the Lord. If you missed any of the uh, series, you can go to the website. They're all uploaded there for you to see. Um, We'd love for you to be able to share those with your friends and family. I believe James is one of the greatest books in the Bible because it gives such practical application. James is not really always um, the most fluffy or easy on us. Sometimes he's very demanding and very to the point, but I think it's helpful for us sometimes to hear exactly where God is calling us to. And I, and I you know, the Bible's very clear. The Holy Spirit is the one who's speaking through James as he writes these things for us, and it's in a powerful testimony. And as we went through, we, we started with consider it pure joy. Consider it pure joy. I think one of the benefits One of the most important benefits of us gathering here today is to be reminded of what God has for us, that we can consider it pure joy. Whatever challenges in your life today, you can consider it pure joy. You know why? Because God can use that joy, can use that challenge and turn it into something great. He can take your greatest problem, he can take your greatest um, adversity, and he can use it. Because he doesn't, he doesn't waste things. He doesn't waste things in our lives. He uses everything in our lives for his glory. And so today we can consider it pure joy. Whatever trials, whatever uh, challenges you're facing right now, now, whether it's health, financial, relationships, whatever those challenges are, consider it pure joy that God can use it and he can strengthen you and build you up. We talked about living what you learn. I don't want to get to the end of my life and have learned a lot but done nothing with it. Learning is really, like we've said, paint. It's only good if you apply it. We need to apply what we're learning. We need to take what we're learning. Uh, God gave us this gift of our intelligence, our brains. And when he speaks to us through our brains, he wants us then to apply what we've learned. Everyone matters. Everyone matters. Every person that you will ever meet in your life, Christ died so that they can have hope eternally. And so no matter if they're the farthest away from him or someone that has grown up close to the teachings of this truth, everyone matters. Everyone has value. And that's why when we go out, we want to reach every type of person because God desires um, to be involved, to be the Savior, to be the Lord of every person. Faith is more than knowledge. The enemy knows probably way more about uh, the truth than even we do. And so it's more than just the knowledge. Faith is putting your trust, your trust, meaning when you're given the opportunity, do you trust your own wants, your own desires, or you trust the Lord? That faith is more than knowledge. To love God with your words. That God cares about our words. Our words have power. Our words make a difference. This week, how were your words? Did your words lift up or tear down? Did your words reflect Christ? Or did they show um, the need for more Christ and Holy Spirit in your life? Love God with your thoughts. That we can love God with our thoughts. I think all of us in this room desire to love God with our thoughts. And so it's submitting to that and not giving up on that and allowing God to lead us and to guide us in in our thought life. Trusting God with your future. 
Do you really trust God with your future, or do you stress out about things? Do you have anxiety about the future? When we have anxiety and stress about the future, it's because we think we control it, or we have some influence. The only one who has true influence is the Lord. And so placing our faith and trust in the Lord gives us a peace about the future. Live a life worthy of the sacrifice. That you and I have been put in a position where we're, we're basically on the backs of many of those who've come before us. We are on the graves of many of those who came before us so that we have a great responsibility to carry it on. It's can, it can be very discouraging to look at the world and see where we're going because it feels like we're not really making, the church isn't making the impact it needs to be making. And there's so much lostness out there. Well, we have a responsibility to have an urgency to be involved to have our voices out there encouraging and loving people, but also sharing the truth, declaring the truth of who God is and what his standards are and who he wants us to be. Live a life of generosity, that Christ, God demonstrated his love for us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, that he gave his one and only son, that God himself is generous to us, that he desires us to be generous to others, and never to give up on that, to never give up on what God calls us to, to never quit on the journey that God calls us to, because he is the one that will provide, and he is the one that will be faithful. And today, as we finish out the book of James, we've gone through the whole book of James, and today we're going to finish with pursue powerful prayer. Pursue powerful prayer. I'm sure we all want powerful prayer. I'm sure that if we were to be honest, we understand it's not easy to have powerful prayer. And as a father especially of a a young girl that will be a teenager soon, and I know young boys, I need powerful prayer. Amen? Amen. I really need the power of God in my life for faith and trust. It's interesting. I came across a dad, and he came up with a list of things. Uh, He said, look, if you want to date my my daughter, here are the rules for dating my daughter. Uh, Because, you know, when you're not married and you don't have kids, you don't understand this really. But when, when I got married and then had kids, there's a whole world that opens up. And it's a world of fear. <laughs> and this dad kind of reveals it through his list. And here's what he says of the rules for dating his daughter. Number one, hurt her and I will hurt you. <laughs> Amen. Number two, get a job. Number three, understand I don't like you. <laughs> Number four, I am everywhere. Number five, get a lawyer. (laughs) Number six, she's my princess, not your conquest. Number seven, uh, I don't mind going back to jail. (laughs) Number eight, keep your hands off her or I will remove them. Number nine, I'll just be waiting here cleaning my gun. <laughs> and number 10, refer back to number rule number one. Now, this would have been funny to me before I was dead. Now it's no longer funny. It is serious. It's the real deal. It's real business. And, and even though in a joking way that is true, but in a real way that is true. I think as we experience new things and as life progresses, we recognize how important things are. And we recognize how fragile we are and how little control we really have. 
and we recognize our absolute need for God's protection, for God's, uh, his wisdom and his discernment, that we are in places where we absolutely need God to show up. And the only way that's going to happen is if we have powerful prayer lives. And so today, I want to encourage us that it's possible, if you don't currently have a powerful prayer life, it is possible to have a powerful prayer life. And my encouragement that we would all seek to this place, that this became a priority, that our priorities wouldn't be self-seeking, that our priorities wouldn't be about us controlling the future, but our priorities would be about having a powerful prayer life and submitting all those things to God in prayer. And so as we look at that question, how can I have a powerful prayer life? How can you and I have a powerful prayer life? Let's ask God and see what he has to say to us this morning as we seek him through his word. Let's precede it with prayer. Father God, you are worthy of everything that we are. You are holy. You are just. You are righteous. You are the perfect father. You will never leave us nor forsake us. Uh, You will stick closer to us than a brother. You call us friend. Uh, You desire us to dwell with you eternally in a place you've prepared for us. And so, Lord, we are excited and we are awed by who you are. We know that uh, there's really, you, you didn't have to love us, but you chose to love us. And so this morning we come to you as as humble servants and we ask, Lord, that your will would be done. We ask that your ways would be declared. We ask that your truths would penetrate our minds, that we would not hold on to our own ways, but that we would submit to you, that we would stop trying to, to blaze our own path, but that we would look for the path that you have laid down for us. And Lord, on that, we pray that, Lord, today you would feed us a little more, that you would encourage us a little more, that you would reveal new things to us that inspire us and challenge us and mature us into growth. And Lord, that you would also, Lord, protect us and our families, protect us as a church. We know that there are principalities and powers. We know there's an unseen realm that would want to destroy this, that would want to bring this to an end. Lord, we know that you are greater than that. So we claim today, Lord, that you would guide us and protect us. And Lord, we pray as we look to the future, Lord, that we would make an impact in other people's lives, recognizing that you put us here so that we can make disciples. You've called us to to be on mission, to reach people for you. And so we ask as we read these words that you spoke through James uh, 2,000 years ago, you you had them write them down, uh, Lord, that they impact us today the same way they impacted those who read it 2,000 years ago. So Lord, we pray that you would bless the reading of your word, that you you would enlighten us and bring us to a place of maturity and growth so we can act on what we learn. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we read the context of James, we recognize that James, uh, for the first part of his life, we really don't know much about that other than he was a brother of Jesus. Yet the radical shift that when Jesus was dead, buried, and raised from the dead, and he began to share with his disciples to go into the world and make disciples, that this had sparked this deep, passionate relationship for Christ, deep, passionate relationship for his brother, earthly, his heavenly Lord. And he began a mission of, of teaching and growing the local church in Jerusalem, and as they were scattered because of persecution, he was committed to saying and doing whatever his heavenly father told him to do, that he was on mission to do that. And for that to happen, for that to happen, he had to have a right relationship with God. For James to be used by the Holy Spirit, for James to be a conduit, that God would speak through him and he would record it for us to read today, he had to be right with God. 
And because he was right with God, his words are so powerful that it impacts you and me right now. That as we read these, these are as relevant today as when they were written because they're eternal in nature. And they're for us to grow in right now. So let's look at it in that mindset, knowing that these are words, these are from the Holy Spirit of God to you and me. And let us decipher and decide where, where, where is God leading us as we move forward. James chapter 5, verse 13, it says... Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call on the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. And so this morning, the question that James brings to us, really the statement that he declares to us is, where do we go when life happens to us? Where do you and I go when life happens? When things are good, where do we go? What do we do? When things are bad, where do we go? What do we do? When there are things that are out of our control, where do we go? What do we do? And James is saying, when you're happy, sing songs of praise to the Lord. Declare with your mouth the glory of who he is. Praise God, not just in your spirit, but with your words and your actions. That when you're happy, let the world know why you're happy. When you're in trouble, go to the Lord in prayer. When you have troubles and challenges and obstacles, I told you last week that for me personally, one of the things that got me through tough times, one of the things that was so powerful in my own life was to claim the fact that, God, you are with me, you are for me, and you are guiding me. And to say it out loud so my own ears could hear it was such a powerful thing to recognize that God is for me, he is with me, and he is guiding me. And I don't need to be afraid of this world. I don't need to be afraid of what's happening around me. I don't have to be afraid of my circumstance because God is for me. He is with me, and he is guiding me through this. And so when you're in trouble, go to the Lord. When you're sick, come to your brothers and sisters. Come to those that have walked the path of the Lord for an amount of time that they can be called an elder, someone of stature, someone who said, I have walked the path of adversity and trusted the Lord and the fruit are clear in my life. That we come to that place, and that's why in our church we raise up leaders so those leaders can be the ones that come alongside and say, I have walked that path. I have been there. Let me pray for you. Let me be here for you. And in that moment, to anoint with oil, uh, throughout the Old Testament, anointing with oil, you anointed the king. This is God's chosen person. Anointing with oil in the New Testament, representing the Holy Spirit of God, covering you, protecting you. In that time, in that place, in the world, oil was used as a medicinal uh, effect to cover uh, sores and, and injuries, to keep them clean and protected. It was seen as a protection and a healer. And the Holy Spirit is seen as a protector and a healer of us. That we, yes, we should go to doctors, and yes, we should trust them. But in reality, the first person we should go to, the first place we should go to is the Holy Spirit of God. Have you ever been to a doctor? Uh, Me too. Guess what they have you do? First, got to sign a bunch of papers, and you sit in a lobby for about an hour. Then you go back into a back room, and you sit in another room for about an hour. And then he comes in and talks to you about five minutes. (laughs) 
It's wonderful. I am so thankful that God has allowed us to live at this time with the medicines and things that we have. But the truth of it is, I can't talk to my doctor right at this moment, but I can talk to God right at this moment. There is nothing keeping me from talking to the heavenly physician. There's nothing keeping us from not coming together and praying over each other, anointed with oil of the Holy Spirit of God for healing and hope in our lives. There's nothing. We can do it at any moment. It's instantaneous. And it's more effective in the long run because he's the author of your life. He's the author of your heart and your liver. And if there's cancer in your life, he can take that away. If it is will. And we trust his will is always right. And so this morning, when you come to adversity, what do you do? When you come to health issues, what do you do? When you're happy, what do you do? These are all the signs of what our faith is in. If my faith is in the world, if my faith is in, in myself, I will not go to God first. And James is saying this is a revelation of who we are and what we believe. This is a revelation of your faith. When you're happy, what do you do? When you're in trouble, what do you do? When you're sick, what do you do? It all reveals what we truly believe about who God is. Remember, there's two questions that you all must answer. One is, who is Jesus to me? And two is, what have I done with the life that God has given me? In those two questions, the answer is as much reflected in what I do as what I say. And so we must begin this process. If I want to have a powerful prayer life, if I want to be in right relationship to God, that he is showing up and moving in a powerful way in in this connection through prayer, then I have to recognize what am I doing first? What is my first inclination? Is it to seek him or to seek other things? Verse 16, it says, Therefore confess your sin to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is what? Powerful and effective. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. One of the main reasons we have Sunday school and Bible study and we have intentional opportunities for you to sit in a group and share what God is teaching you and listen to a teacher, share what the Bible has to say, is that in those moments we can build relationships and hopefully those relationships get to a place of trust. And in that trust we begin to share things about our struggles because guess what? All of us still have struggles. We still have things that God has to work through in our lives. We still have obstacles in our lives and we need to build deep meaning meaningful relationships with each other that I can be vulnerable enough to someone and tell them here's what I'm struggling with James is saying we need accountability we need someone it's not just saying to God I'm sinning in this area and I'm sorry it's meeting with another human being and saying I need you to hold me accountable I need you to pray for me I need you to encourage me and when I fall short I need you to come alongside me and say hey you messed up let's not do it again let's move forward together I think the enemy is so good as making us think that we're lone rangers in this life. And we're so untrusting and we're so afraid to be vulnerable that we never build a relationship that would really empower us to live for the Lord and have the right relationship of powerful prayer. I think we we insulate ourselves and we get in tight and we say, I can't trust it. And, And God is saying, I will put the right person in your life 
that you can share these things with, and through that there will be healing and growth and maturity, and there will be a future. You can't carry the weight on your own. The weight will only tear you down. And so James is saying, the prayers of a righteous person. What is a righteous person? You know, if you grew up in church, maybe you had a list of do's or don'ts. And that's what you consider righteousness. I think the more I read scripture and the more I listen to the words of Christ, righteousness means I am in a right relationship to God. It's a relationship, not a responsibility. It's not a list of do's or don'ts. It's a loving relationship where you conform to him because he is the most important relationship in your life. And to be right with him is to tell the truth. To be right with him isn't to fall into these traps of the world. To be right with him is to love him with your minutes and your hours and your days and your money and your, and your time and your energy and everything you have is to love him with it. And when you're in that place where, where the first person you go to when you're happy is the Lord and you praise him, the first person, the first place you go to when you're sick or in trouble is the Lord and, and you ask for his help, you become a righteous person because you're seeking the relationship you were created to have. You see, it's not even just about our opinions. It's not about what you think or I think. We were all created for this. This is the very reason you came into existence. This is the very reason that God created the universe, is to have this type of relationship with us. And if we deny it, we deny our very reason for existence. And so when we get right with God, when we get right with God, all of a sudden there's a power in the prayer. There's a power in the prayer. James goes on to say, he's giving us a point of reference. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. This morning... If you lived 2,000 years ago, well, 4,000 years ago, in the time of Elijah, could your name be filled in there? Could it have been you that prayed and it didn't rain for three and a half years? And then you pray and it rains. Is Elijah one of the characters of the Bible that none of us can ever live up to his level of commitment to the Lord? Is it only the superhumans that are allowed to have this type of powerful prayer? Is it only the ones that we read about their names in scripture? Are they the only ones who can have powerful prayer? Is God created it so only the ones that he put in his Bible, only the ones that he declared, those are the only ones that can have powerful prayer? We all know that's not true. We all know that in the same way, and this is why James even brings this up, that you and I can live right with God to the place that we can be used in the same way Elijah was used. That you can be a modern-day Elijah. You can be so in, in tune with God that he can do things that no one can explain other than the hand of God is doing it. Do you believe that this morning? Do you have the faith that God can use you in the same way he used Elijah? Do you have that kind of faith? Do you believe that God is greater than your limitations? Because it's not necessarily what we say. It's what we do that reveals our faith. Because he 
He is the same as we are. He is a human. He is flesh and blood. He was tempted. He had challenges. I mean, if you read the story of Elijah, he wasn't perfect. He ran in fear because he had emotions and he was a real person, yet God used him. God used him because he was willing to listen and he was willing to be used. Verse 19, my brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring them, bring back, bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from their error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. You see, the most interesting thing about all of this is the real reason you and I need powerful prayer is not because we need it for ourselves. Do you know why you need powerful prayer in your life? Because of your grandkids. Do you know why you need powerful prayer in your life? Because of your daughter or your son. Do you know why you need powerful prayer in your life? Because of your parents or your grandparents. Do you know why you need powerful prayer in your life? Because of your neighbor, your coworker. We all are here on a purpose for others. None of us are here for ourselves. God did not put Mike on earth for Mike. God did not put you on earth for you. You were planted as a seed to grow and bear fruit that would help others to bear fruit and grow. This morning, some of you, there is a deep pain. There's a deep uh, anguish because of someone you love deeply seems to be overwhelmed by the enemy. Seems to be in the clutches of the enemy. This is the mission. We cannot, you cannot go talk someone into getting their life right. There's, there's no amount of logic that can overcome spiritual blindness. Only the light of the Holy Spirit of God coming into someone's heart and revealing that can make a difference. And that begins with me committing to prayer. Do you know the answer to all of the ills of the world, the answer to all those challenges of all those people you love, is, is God working in their life? And the, his answer is, I'm going to put you on this planet and you're going to ask me and I'm going to do it. We have a responsibility in it. We have a part to play. You and I have a part to play. And he's saying, look, I created you with a purpose and the purpose is to make a major difference in the world around you, to make a difference in those you love. And the only way you really make that difference is if you live in a righteous way that your prayers are powerful and they're effective and they make change all around you. Are you willing to commit to that? Are you willing to say, I am going to commit my life to powerful prayer. I'm going to commit my ways to the Lord. I am going to say his way is my way no matter what. Are you willing to make that commitment? We live in a world that says don't ever make commitments. Always do whatever you feel like doing. Never be steadfast. Just get all you can while you can. That is the opposite of what God teaches us this morning. That is the opposite of what James is encouraging us on. He is saying, be committed. Be committed to prayer. Be a prayer warrior. Make prayer an essence of who you are, an essential of what you do. So how do we do this? Well, I believe we need to precede every day in prayer. Start the day committing the day to the Lord. 
precede every decision in prayer. Precede every action you make at work or in life with prayer. Preceding things with prayer is always a good way to say to God, I want you to lead me and guide me. I don't trust my own thoughts or my own opinions in this. I want your opinions and your ways to lead me. I want your truth to lead me. And so preceding everything in prayer is a pretty important thing. We pray when we meet here at 9 o'clock to talk about today's service. We pray before we start meetings at every time we meet. We pray to precede because we believe that only God can lead us in the right direction. My ability, my knowledge, my craftiness, all these things are pointless without the Holy Spirit of God leading. And so preceding my life and your life with prayer is essential. And then once I've made that decision, I then need to go into what I call the six P's of prayer. And I get this because when you read Matthew, when Jesus is teaching them how to pray, he says, don't be like the hypocrites who stand on the corner and they try to impress everybody with their prayers. Don't be like the pagans that babble their prayers over and over again. He says, when you pray, go into a private room and be honest with God. You're in an honest relationship, a deep, meaningful, personal relationship. And the beginning of that conversation, when you connect to the Heavenly Father, is to praise Him. You begin the relationship, you begin the conversation with praise. God, you are holy and you are just. Uh, My Father, who is in heaven, holy is your name. Your ways are perfect. You are absolutely holy. I trust you. Your kingdom come, your will be done. I want your purposes in my life. I'm so tempted to go after my own purposes. I am so tempted to do it my own way. I need you to lead me because I know that I'm going to go the wrong way without you. And I know that only you can provide for me. The government can't provide for me. There's no other human being that can truly provide all that I need. I can't look to someone else to fill me completely. I can only look to you. And so whether it's my emotional needs, my physical needs, my spiritual needs, I look to you to provide them today. Give me today this daily bread, not my yearly bread. Don't don't give it to me so I don't have to trust you anymore because you gave it all to me. Help me to be trustworthy today with my needs. And then tomorrow I'll trust you again with that day. And so every day, Because a new opportunity to trust you with all the provision that I need. Forgive me my sins. Forgive me my trespasses. Pardon me. Help me to look and reflect on my life. I think this is one that's such a powerful thing. If you were just to implement this in your life, that every day you said, God, is there anything today, anything at all, that is not on your line, is not what you've called me to do, is not on the right path? Show it to me. Show it to me. I've read of so many churches that had such an impact in their communities because they got together and they would pray and pray and they would seek God and God would begin to reveal sin and he would reveal deep-seated issues that were deep within people. And it it was that commitment to prayer and that commitment to, to being there and listening to God that he brought them to the surface where they could be dealt with. And then there was forgiveness and healing. And because of that forgiveness and healing, there was new life. And things began to happen and that was powerful prayer. I think we hold on to things we got to give up. We, re- we don't repent of things that we hold on to. And God is saying, you've got to get to a place where I can forgive you and heal you from all unrighteousness. Why? So that you can forgive others. 
Forgive me my sins as I forgive those who sin against me so I can be here for other people, so I can have a relationship of, of forgiveness and hope bringing to those around me. That you pray that God would use your life to impact other people's lives, to bring them to a place of healing and peace. And then finally, protection. He says, deliver me from the evil one. Do you recognize right now, all of us in this room are hearing this message. All of us have read what James and listened to what James has to say. The enemy is trying to strike it. The enemy is trying to shut it up. The enemy is trying to tell us what's for lunch. Don't worry about this. It's no big deal. It doesn't really matter. You have other things to worry about. This is something you can put on the low level of your agenda in your life. Just keep doing what you're doing. It doesn't really matter. You are under attack from your, infl- your inward sinful nature and the outward unseen enemy that attacks all of us at every moment, especially right now. We are called to a place of blindness by the enemy. And God is saying, come out of that blindness into the light and see that I can protect you and I can provide for you and I can guide you in all ways. And when you begin to commit to that and say, God, I want this to be who I am and today I am yours. I submit everything over to you then the the prayers of a righteous person are powerful and effective. That's when it happens. So how do we have powerful prayer? How do we get there? It's a personal, personal commitment. Will I make this decision? Will I submit my ways? Will I give everything I have to him? This morning, are you willing to make that commitment? Are you willing to go into that quiet place and commit your ways every day to the Lord? This is the opportunity we have in this short amount of time. Let me ask you, before I close, are you going to care how much money you made in this life when it's over? Are you going to care what kind of car you drove? Are you going to care what things you had in front of your name? Are you going to care about how big your television was or how much stuff you had. What are you going to really care about when this life comes to an end? What's really going to matter to you at that moment? These moments of commitment can get you to that moment with peace and assurance that you did all you can and you gave all you had to the creator who put you here. Are you willing to make that commitment today? One of, my, one of the verses I look to regularly in my life, and I hope God is speaking the, to you this way, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understandings. In all your ways submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Trust the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understandings. In every way acknowledge him. And he will direct your path. Is that what you want today? That's what I want. That's what I believe we want. And so let's commit to it. And let's ask God to move and guide us.